If you're tired of dieting and stepping on the scale, you're lacking energy and confidence, and you're ready to harness your inner athlete, then you're in the right place. I'm Sherry Shaban, and in each episode, I'll help you to rebuild your fitness identity and empower your deepest transformation so that health and fitness are not just what you do, but who you are. What's up, athletes? Welcome back to the show. On this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness, we are speaking with Dr. Maddie Brown, who is the Managing Director of Ocan Resilience Limited, a boutique consultancy that helps physician entrepreneurs and business owners on the verge of a burnout achieve greater success and fulfillment in their work without sacrificing their mental, emotional, and physical health. He is the creator of the Ocan Method, a proven proprietary process that restores resilience within the brain, body, and business of his clientele. Dr. Maddie holds an ND in naturopathic medicine from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine with clinical specialties in evidence-based lifestyle medicine, mind and body medicine, and applied clinical nutrition. All right, athletes, we're just about to jump into it, and I am so excited to share this conversation with you. I've learned so much from speaking to Dr. Maddie, and very soon you're going to see just how much of a radiant light and a force for good he is. And so if you continue to listen all the way to the end, I'm going to share with you some key takeaways from our conversation to help you set up some goals and intentions to crush the new year. And if you've liked it, if you've resonated with the conversation, if you've had any takeaways, then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review, and then take a screenshot of that and send it over to Sherry at SherryShabon.com so I know who you are and I'm going to give to you my six-week transformation program to help you get back your energy and your vitality and set you up for success in 2023. All right, athletes, now let's get into it. Dr. Maddie, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's truly an honor to be here. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Yeah, me too. We connected last week. I think we had so many different topics to speak about. Yeah. It was just one of the most exciting conversations I've had. Could not wait to start recording. And so I think we just want to start off by maybe sharing a little bit of your story. How did you get into your work today? Yeah, well, it started very early Uh for me, I was very sickly as a child, asthma, allergies, severe sinus infections uh, that just kind of plagued me throughout my childhood. And coming from an indigenous American background, uh, my grandmother was always into herbs and holistic approaches. And so when the doctors would treat me with whatever they were giving me, uh, she would add in these additional things to kind of help support me. And so that really kind of planted the seeds for me uh, to start this journey into self-discovery through holistic healing. And I moved to Los Angeles and initially studied Chinese medicine. And while I was there, I was working in an integrative clinic, infertility clinic that uh, they had set up in Beverly Hills where we had the best of East meets West. So we had this whole Eastern Chinese medicine uh, component with conventional medicine helping uh, people, you know, start their families. And I just saw it as a very extraordinary thing. And the physician I was working for, her son-in-law, was a naturopathic medical doctor. And at the time, I was struggling with high blood pressure that oh, I had wow. been dealing with since age 19. Oh, and wow. they just told me that, oh, it's hereditary because on my father's side, they, you know, it's been a history of hypertension, these kinds of things. So there's nothing you can do about it. And I just couldn't accept it. But I had never encountered 
opportunity to uh, address it. So for almost 10 years, I was on medication, treating it, and it wasn't managing it successfully. So when I met uh, the doctor I was working for, her son-in-law, when they moved from Colorado uh, to set up a practice in Calabasas, he was a naturopathic medical doctor, and I kind of was telling my story, and he said, oh, I already know what's wrong with you. I said, you, you haven't tested me? Well, how can you know? And he's like, you're magnesium deficient. And I was like, huh? I was like, what does the magnesium have to do with my blood pressure? He said, oh, there's plenty. And he said, just based on what you told me about your diet, I can tell you right now you're severely magnesium deficient. And so he said, I want you to change your diet. I want to, I'm going to put you on a plant-based diet for three months. He said, and then also there's some supplements that I'm going to support your heart and, and nervous system with to deal with stress. He said, and we'll see how things go. Within two and a half months, Sherry, I was off the medication. Wow. That I had been on for almost 10 years. And I haven't been on anything ever since. And so I said, I want to know what this guy knows. And so that started the journey into naturopathic medicine. And it was from there that I had a burnout, actually, in medical school. My third year, I went into what's called nervous exhaustion mm-hmm. because I had so many things running at that time in my life and my body couldn't keep up. And so I had to take a quarter off from school to kind of recover. And it was during that time that I started really learning about the nervous system, learning about how stress impacts the body. And that led me to the journey of my own personal self-recovery and healing. And now that's what I'm doing for others. Wow. That's incredible. And you know, it's very interesting because so many professionals that I speak with, people that are creating massive impacts such as yourself, usually have a story. And it's a story where they were ill or they were, you know, sort of struggling with their health or information even. And as soon as they found it and, and, and found that, okay, it wasn't just medication that solves the problem, but there was actually this, this drive to understand the root cause of the problem that ends up becoming almost one's life's purpose. No, indeed. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing, getting to the cause and source of things. And unfortunately we're in a society where that is often overlooked. Right. And it's, something that when you begin just to take a moment and examine the source of things, you have the capacity then to correct them. Right, right. Yeah, and, and especially just understanding the root cause and, and this holistic approach that there is there are so many components to health. And, and this is what mm. I love because it's not this tunnel vision around, okay, what are you eating and how much are you <laughs> moving? But I know that a big part of your work as well is is around the mindset and around the neurological mm-hmm. system. So how do you work with your clients at the moment? Because I know you shared a little bit of your story. You went through mm-hmm. um, sort of several organizations and, and it seems that you're at this place where you've developed something very, very unique and your approach is, is actually revolutionary compared to a lot of the things that I've read. So how did you get to this point and what is your approach looking like right now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, after medical school, I, I got into education in the most strange way, because I was first in clinical practice, but I, I shifted there. I was practicing at a, a residential facility for recovering addicts. And while I was there, we had a great clinical team that were doing extraordinary work as far as helping the body recover. But what was most interesting to me was the mind and what, what made these people choose, these souls choose this path of you know, coping with life's circumstances and challenges. And so it was there that I really started to become more interested in how one's life choices based on their perception, their paradigm of thinking, caused them to have the experience that they were having. And it was from that that I eventually ended up connecting with a, uh, a this businesswoman, entrepreneur who had this vocational school where actually while I was in medical school, I took a life coaching program through her, her, her you know, institute. And it was a, that connection with her where she offered me to uh, join with another doctor and create a holistic nutrition program 
which became very successful. And then Arizona State University came calling. Hmm. And they're like, hey, we have a fledgling stress management program here. We would love you to get involved with. And so we went over there and I became a professor there at the university and we created an exceptional stress management program. And so it was during that process that, as you were talking about before, you know, health is so much more than, uh, you know, just what you're putting in your body. So when we were teaching nutrition, we talked, of course, micro and macronutrients, but we also taught them that your breath, oxygen was a nutrient. We also taught that your relationships were nutrients. We also taught that your environment was either going to be nourishing (laughs) or, or detrimental to you. And so we started helping our students look at their lives from a completely different perspective as this whole uh, synergistic engagement. Mm -hmm. And that everything that they're experiencing from spirit, mind, emotion, and body is impacting what they call their health. Mm -hmm. And it can either be nourishing or detrimental. And so that kind of really set the premise for me as I started to go into this field of education. And then from there, uh, we started our own uh, school, the Energetic Health Institute, where we continued to teach these principles and it was all virtual. And then after spending some time at the Institute, I really was losing that sense of connecting with others to what I really enjoy. And so I kind of resigned from the administrative roles and duties that I had there. And I ended up working and partnering with a functional medical lab, Genova Diagnostics. And I started consulting with doctors all over the world, Mm -hmm. really teaching them those same principles that I had been teaching at the Holistic Nutrition School, as well as the stress management program we had at ASU and how they're better care for their patients using the functional medical labs that we were offering at Genova. And so with all of that foundation, it really kind of helped me start to look at how do I really want to work with people? And of course, one of the primary principles of naturopathic medicine is treat the whole person. So yeah. I really had to dissect what that meant right. and, and get beyond just even the mind, body, and emotion standpoint. But I said, okay, as a human being, pulling from my philosophy uh, degree from undergrad, I said, all right, let's look at what the human condition is comprised of. So I said, we have this spiritual aspect of who we are, this mental aspect of who we are, this emotional aspect, obviously this physical form, but we also have what is outside of that as far as how we relate to others. Mm-hmm. We also have what, how we contribute to life through the work, career, professions that we choose to endeavor in over the mm-hmm. course of our, our journey here on this planet, and then also the environment. So mm-hmm. I came up with these four, you know, uh, excuse me, these seven uh, domains of life mastery, as I call them. And these seven domains of who you are spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, socially, through your relationships, how you're contributing through your professional world and your environment make up your human experience. And so that laid a foundation for me and me always trying to refine and distill things to the most that I can. And especially having such a love and passion for the nervous system, I said, okay, let's get down to how we experience life. And I was like, we experience it through this nervous system. This is how we connect with the world. Mm -hmm. And it's through this system that we're able to have this mental, emotional, and physical experience that we call life. And also it's through how we show up mentally, emotionally, and physically that we have what we call spiritual experience. Ah. Because you can't, your spiritual experience will will always be mental, emotional, and physical. Yes, yes. And so it's through that beautiful design of this nervous system that we have our pathway to that, which is God, Mm. as well as ourselves. Mm. And so 
from that, I created what is called the brain body business model when it comes to the professionals that I, I work with. So we look at the brain, the nervous system starting there, and there's three functional principles that govern it. Regulation, education, and prediction. And mm -hmm. these are things that govern the brain and the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so it regulates, we have those three states of regulation that we talk about um, as far as we all hear about the fight or flight, the sympathetic state. Yeah. That's one way that the, body, the nervous system will regulate itself when perceiving a threat. Mm -hmm. We also have the parasympathetic uh, part of the autonomic nervous system that has two branches within the vagus nerve that we look at, the ventral vagal response and the dorsal vagal response. And it's there that through the ventral where we actually have that connection, that social engagement with life. And I, I call that the I am state where we're truly present with life and we're able to really engage life. And then we have that dorsal branch, which is another protective mechanism, even though it's a part of the parasympathetic chain. It's protective in that it shuts down. And this, this state, we see the feign, the freeze, the withdrawing. Uh, the perfect example I can share with the audience here is like the deer in headlights, where the circumstance is so overwhelming, the only thing you can do is just freeze or even fake death to right. protect itself. And that's that dorsal branch of the parasympathetic when it's engaged. And I call that the I can't state because at okay. that state, we no longer have the biological capacity to engage in life. So we just shut down, completely withdraw. And that state, you're depressed, you're exhausted, you just don't have the capacity. Right. And then of course you have that fight or flight state, I must, either I must fight or I must run, but I gotta right. do something. And that's that more highly energized you know, level. So that's how the nervous system is regulating. The right. brain is regulating. And then you have education, it educates itself. From the moment we took our first breath, we were educating ourselves. But actually, I can even argue and say we we're educating ourselves from the womb. Mm -hmm. In mom's mm -hmm. belly, we're learning. And even in that environment, based on how she's experiencing her journey and the hormones that are now engaging our physical form, specifically the nervous system, because it's one of the first systems that's developed. Right. And that's determining for us how we're going to engage our environment, and we learn from that. And so from the moment we take our first breath, there's this constant education about self and how self is relating to that which is the world. Mm. And so that's another aspect of the brain. And then there is the expecting or the anticipating or predicting brain that is always predicting what is coming next. And it's from that we begin to shape and create our lives. So I really kind of begin to break things down in the most basic components. And when I looked at the body, there's only three principles that govern the body. The body's receiving, creating, and eliminating. Right. right. And if any of those things are out of imbalance, you will see what we call so-called dis-ease. Right, and right. Wow, so, so much yeah. to unpack. So much to unpack. <laughs> and, so, and so here's what I love about this, because you said you said so many words that just were, you know, like light bulbs for me. So you said something around coping, right? And we mm -hmm. just learning to sort of cope with our environment without actually... Mm -hmm. Um, without actually creating this awareness around what is really going on in the body. And so the other thing that you you kind of mentioned and just the way you're laying it out is that it's very bio-individual. And what's very interesting to note is that one experience for one person could create a completely different response in another person. And that's how we see the world. It's based on our perspective. And so the issue with diet culture, for those that are listening, that are, are trying to release weight, trying to transform their health and fitness, and tried many, many times without success, I just want to say that it's not your fault. And I think, Dr. Maddie, that's, that's sort of what you're getting at here today, yeah. right? Diet culture says, hey, 
Stop eating carbs, it is that simple. Regulate your insulin and everyone should do this. And if everyone does this, then you get your results. And so everyone feels a little bit off if they have gone through the process, they didn't get the results and they start to think that there's something wrong with them. And I think what you're saying is that based on our experiences from the moment that we've left the mom's womb, we've started to experience life and started to create this adaptation over time through the experiences that has shaped the nervous system that ultimately helps us view the world based on our own perspectives. And so what could be traumatizing for one person that created limiting beliefs or created particular habits and patterns around behavior would impact somebody else completely differently, right? Yeah. Okay, so now based on your model, because there's a lot of stuff and just, just, um, maybe we start off by just breaking it down into little bite-sized pieces. You know, what is the autonomic nervous system for those that are unaware of what that is? How do we regulate the body? And then how do all these experiences that we have based on sort of the way the nervous system works create then our own reality? And how does that impact our relationship with health and fitness, with exercise, with commitments even around different areas of indeed. our lives? Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Very great questions. Thank you. So to start with the autonomic nervous system, this is that aspect of the nervous system that is primarily unconscious to us. It governs our heartbeat. It governs our digestion. It governs a lot of the physiological and biochemical processes that we don't have to think about. Like when we eat something, we don't have to think, sit there and say, okay, I just, I chew, 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 chew. Now I swallow. And now stomach, go ahead and start using that hydrochloric acid and pepsin and start breaking down those macronutrients so we can now absorb them into the small intestines and now start, okay, pancreas, start throwing those enzymes in there. So we don't, we don't have to do any of that because this brilliant system by design is governing that to us, you, you can you can reference it as the subconscious mind, if you will, but it's the unconscious aspect of us that is governing us biochemically and physiologically. And so there's two primary chains to the autonomic nervous system. The sympathetic, which we know that fight or flight state, and then we have that parasympathetic, which we commonly call the rest and digest state. Right. And so it's those two aspects of the autonomic nervous system that make up the autonomic nervous system. And so when we encounter life, just through our daily living, there's constant engagement between those two aspects of this system. And so at one point, you may be in a sympathetic state, a fight or flight state, based on what you're thinking about, what you're perceiving in your environment. what you may be watching on a television show or a movie can invoke that stress response. Mm-hmm. Or you may be in a sympathetic state where you, I mean, a parasympathetic state where you've been meditating or you just woke up for a rest or you're sitting on the beach just watching the waves go by, you know, and you're in this relaxed state or you're at a wonderful meal with mm-hmm. family and friends and you're just enjoying yourself. So you're able to digest your food and fully absorb it. So we experience this every single day. And based on how we are perceiving ourselves, and I love the way you, you spoke about it, based on you as a unique individual and how you've educated yourself about you, mm. determines what I call your subjective human experience, or mm. she, your she. Mm, <laughs> and I so, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so your, your, your she is who you are, your subjective human experience. And... That is determined by what you've been told about yourself. 
So I always like to tell my clients and students when I'm working with them that your I has been determined by your you. And they're always like, what does that mean? So the identity, how you see yourself as I, has been determined by what you've been told about you. Mm-hmm. From your family, from your friends, from your society, from education, from the government you're 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 associated with, mm-hmm. you know, re- your religion you're associated with if you have one, all the things, even the identity as far as male or female, we're told all that about ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we come into the world, we don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And so you're told you are this, you are that, you belong to this, you belong to that. And your I is then determined by your you. Mm-hmm. And so it's from that place that we begin to engage with life and the paradigm that we hold and the subjective human experience that we end up ultimately having is all centered around that aspect of the brain and how it's been really organized through what is it has been impressed upon it. And specifically, we have the aspects of the brain as the conscious or the cerebral or neocortex part that we are consciously thinking about. Like if I move my arm like this, I'm thinking about moving my arm and I do it. And then there's the subconscious again, that's part of the autonomic nervous system that is really operating from what has been imprinted on it from a very early age. As far as my beliefs about myself, my beliefs about the world, whether I see the world as safe or threatening, all of that is being governed by the autonomic nervous system and is invoking that sympathetic fight or flight state, that parasympathetic ventral state where I'm feeling connected, or that dorsal parasympathetic where I I feel completely life-threatened, I just got to shut down to save myself. Mm, And so this is what how we're operating. And so when we start making choices around relationships, choices around food, choices around how we engage with the environment and choices around our daily living that have a profound impact on our health is all being governed by this unconscious programming, if you will, that's running Mm -hmm. underneath the conscious mind that's shaping how you see the world, shaping how you feel about the world, shaping how you feel about any particular experience, whether you go into reaction mode Mm-hmm. and you're triggered by it, or whether you go into a response mode from a place of being more centered. And all that is being governed by this underlying programming. So for a lot of people, as you're looking at this concept of losing weight and and even the identity, because there, there's, there's a health component to weight. We, we all understand that. Right. With excess adipose tissue in the body, it can be create more of a stress and, and, and evolve into you know, uh, health conditions. However, there's a conscious identity associated with it as well, mm. based on programming. Because we live in a society that, you know, Sherry, you know, we got to be trim, fit, cut, the definition. We got to be an excellent physique, have this excellent physique. And this is what we, we define or dignify as attractive right. or appropriate. And if someone doesn't fit that model, based on the conditions and circumstances that they've been involved with thus far, there's a lot of guilt, shame, and judgment and condemnation that can start to take place yes, within yes. this individual, shaking right. them. Right. And now before we get into that, because that's yeah. that's going to be really big. So just to reiterate what you're sharing, mm-hmm. through our experiences, through the way that we perceive the world, and through these components of the nervous system, we create a blueprint. And this yeah. blueprint yes. is our identity. 
And it oftentimes is from society, right? It's from our environment. It's what people have always said to us. You know, my mom always said I was the scientist. Mm. I was the Mm. reader. I was the whatever. And so that's the identity that I've picked up. And now as an adult, as I make my choices, I subconsciously am supporting that identity at all times. I don't even realize I'm doing it, but it's because that's how I see myself. My choices that I make throughout my day will constantly support that identity. So if I am the scientist or I am the nerd, I'm the, I'm the person who reads, I'm not the sporty type, um, I'm, I don't do well with change, I don't, right? So all of these things that people have said to me, maybe I've even said to myself, and to your point, the things that I've watched, because we talked about diet or anything that comes into the body, right? Through the eyes, through the ears, whatever we listen to, mm. whatever we watch, the conversations that we have, who we spend time with, ultimately, that gives me even more of that sense of identity. It's, it's just, it's all that I've ever known. So before mm. we move on to, to these feelings of, of guilt and shame uh, around not being able to uphold a particular standard, and I do agree with you, many people, for example, view fitness as you know a person who is ripped, who's able mm. to run a particular distance or a particular speed. And, you know, see sort of this athlete. I, I speak a lot about athletes and I, I talk about the athletic mindset. But most people view an athlete as a person who's making millions of dollars a year playing yes. a professional sport on TV, for example. And so based on, on this identity, we create these definitions. And now we are trying to stick to these definitions and these standards. And when we cannot uphold them, we now feel like we're, we're not part of the pack, right? We're, we feel left out. We don't fit in. We are, we are not being able to meet these, these particular standards and then feelings of guilt and shame and mm. disappointment and self-judgment mm. start to creep mm. in. Is that correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct. And, it, and it's that the word I like to use when one is in that state is they're disconnected. They're disconnected, yes. And as human beings, it's very fascinating about connection. When we're not, we don't feel included. Mm. The... They did a study where they had these individuals come in and they had them hooked up to EEGs so they could measure their brain waves. And they had them playing on this computer game, which they thought were other individuals playing with them, but they were actually just computer simulations. And the computer simulation was designed at one point because they're like throwing a ball. Like, so they have an avatar, they're throwing a ball to the other person. And so they're throwing a ball back and forth. And all of a sudden, the other two just stop sharing with the individual who's being tested. Mm-hmm. And they start throwing to each other and he or she's excluded from the game. The same receptors that go off when one is pain, or experiencing physical pain or trauma went off in the brain. Mm-hmm. And this is why people say when they feel a sense of disconnection, I feel hurt. Because the same literal pain receptors are going off in the brain, in that region of the brain that is designated for pain and interpreting pain, happening from them being disconnected. And one of the things that was quite profound for me when I was going to medical school and we were studying embryology and we were studying uh, pediatrics was that when a baby comes into the world, if you just give that baby a bottle, change its diaper, but you don't hold it, you don't hug it, you don't connect with it, within a month and a half to two months' time, it will die on you. Yes. And what is called failure to thrive. And I thought that was quite fascinating because it needs connection. We are wired for connection. Yes. And if we lose that sense of that, we go into 
this downward spiral of isolation. And that's where that guilt, the shame, condemnation, judgment, and comparison starts to come into play. Mm. And so since we, by design, need connection, it is an imperative that we begin to create a, a, a healthy, first and foremost, connection with self and understanding with through greater awareness who we are as individuals and how we relate to the greater whole and our contribution to that whole. Right. And so, so I, it's just, it's always been fascinating to me. Yeah. It's that level of disconnection that people are experiencing that really causes the choices that they start to make right. to feel some sense of belonging again. Mm. And, and even at times you will choose probably to not the, the, probably not the best people to even be around just to have that sense of belonging, sense of connection. And we see that many times, even in relationships, you will stay in something that's very traumatic for you just to hold that bond because it's so inherently wired within us. It's such an imperative need of ours as human beings. Yes. And so the other, the other side of that coin, I believe, I mean, this is one of our, our six human needs, according to um, Tony Robbins, right, is, is connection. And so to Mm -hmm. your point, I mean, it, it is extremely fascinating. You give a baby, food, you give it a clean diaper, you give it everything it possibly needs to thrive physically, it still does not thrive, right? Because mm-hmm. it is that, that sense of connection. And so, you know, we hear often that we are the product of the five people that we spend the most time with. So we have this oh, yes. ultimate need for connection. And yes, I, I will feel left out. I will feel, uh, f- you know, disappointment. I, I will feel shame. I will feel guilt. I'll feel a sense of separation if I'm not connected. But at the same time, I have to realize that this connection ultimately also shapes my reality. Whatever my social environment is doing, that's what I'm going to end up doing. However they speak, however they think, however they act is what's going to ultimately be what I will think, do, and act, right? And so understanding that and understanding in order to make a transformation in my life, whether that's around health and fitness, whether that's around starting a business, whatever it is that's important and impactful in my life, I have to be surrounded by the right environment that will help me thrive because at the end of the day, that is how much we rely on connection. And it's subconscious. It's at a subconscious level. We don't even realize that we gravitate towards it. We're attracted to things that are, are like-minded and it's the law of the universe. At the end of the day, yes. like attracts like, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct, absolutely. And with, with what you were just saying, um, if for whatever reason, you're in an environment that... Uh, let's say it's not the most conducive. There's a principle that governs the physical body, but also governs us as human beings. I I, I like to call it adaptive physiology, meaning that the body adapts to the environment in which it finds, internally and externally. Mm. And so if you're in an environment, because I used to have this conversation with, uh, when we were in our holistic nutrition program, some of our students, you know, they're they're fanatical with the raw food and vegan Mm -hmm. lifestyle. And they would get upset sometimes because we would talk about grass-fed beef and free-range and wild-caught. And we would advocate these things and we because we're teaching them nutrition, so they need to know everything, not just this whole plant-based side. And they were like, well, Dr. Madi, we all should be uh, right. vegans or raw foodists. We're all I was meant like, to be. We're, supposed we're, all, we're all meant. We're all meant. Exactly. I said, well, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's take your theory and let's apply it to the Eskimos in Alaska. Yes. <laughs> I said, if they adopt your ideology, they will be dead in a very short period of time. Right. I said, because one thing you cannot do 
is force ideology upon physiology. Because guess who's going to win that battle? Yes. Every single time. Right. And so you have to take into consideration the environment in which you find yourself because the body's going to adapt its physiology to the environment in which it finds. The environment always wins. Yeah. Yes. And so, and, it, and I love it. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Yeah. But he, he wrote this book, The Biology Belief. Yes. And he talked about the Petri dish and these stem cells. And based on the media that was in the Petri dish culture, determined what, would that, what that stem cell would grow into, even though it was the same exact stem cell, right. identical, but based on the culture media, it determined what it would evolve into as far as what tissue. Mm -hmm. And so I like to look at us as human beings as basically giant stem cells, if you will. Based on the culture media, the culture, mm -hmm. we will shape ourselves and grow into that which the culture propagates mm -hmm. and promotes. And so if you're in a culture that is adversarial or distrusting and aggressive, you will begin to adapt yourself to accommodate that culture. And that culture is from a macrocosmic perspective as far as a government or a country down to a family culture. Mm -hmm. And we're constantly adapting ourselves to connect with and belong to that culture in which we find. Mm. Yes, that's so powerful, so well said. And, and again, just a reminder of how important relationships are, right? When I see someone for health and life coaching and they come to see me to release weight, which is the primary reason why people will seek out um, my help and, and support, and they're, they're sometimes a little bit surprised because I bring up the different aspects of their life. We talk about relationships, right? Mm. Relationship with self, mm. relationship with others, relationship with money. What is your financial situation like? Because these are all the things that are, are really occupying our mind and, and ultimately creating blocks for us. And so I think my next question is around this blueprint. So a lot of mm -hmm. us are stuck in this blueprint. We are we are constantly supporting this blueprint, this this identity, based on the habits and the actions that we take throughout our day. So are we stuck with this? I know already what your answer is going to be. But I want you to expand on it. Um, we're so connected, Dr. Maddie. I, I'm, like, I'm definitely having you on the show, not just once more, but several times because I want to talk about relationships. I still want to talk about nutrition. Yeah. There's so much, like you are a wealth of knowledge. But just for anyone listening, and, and again, it's just this reminder because we get to this place where, where we feel so defeatist. We feel that mm. no matter how much I try, I just can't do it. And it'll, it'll never work out for me. I, there's no hope for me. And so I've always believed that it has to start with the shift of the identity, the shift of that blueprint, right? So how do we go about that based on how you've explained the nervous system? Yeah, so it requires uh, a, a new repetition of communicating to you who you are. One of the things I have my clients do, uh, first, we, we have to see where you are. You have to do a baseline. So there's a, a self-inventory, if you will. And the thing with the self-inventory is not coming from a place of judgment or condemnation or shame or guilt or yeah. even comparison. Because mm. I, I, I like to always tell my clients and students that it's our birthright as human beings to be in this world as we are and who we are without shame, guilt, condemnation, comparison, or judgment. I was going to say, that sounds like judgment. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. And... So do the inventory. Just mm. take stock of where you are and how you are. And that gives us our baseline. And it's from there then we get 
to use this wonderful tool of ours, this mind and this imagination, to begin to imagine who do we desire to become. And so what I have my, my, my clients and students do is they have to write a new identity for themselves. And of course, the program is going to be rejected almost outright. Like, right. this is a lie, you know, and they start bringing up, it's like the judge, it starts bringing up the evidence. Hey, remember this, and you know you do this, and this, and this, and this. And so the thing is, you get your baseline. And then one of the things that Reverend Michael uh, Beckwith said that I just really loved, mm-hmm. and he talked about these three, these three things that are necessary for true, a life of true uh, fulfillment and, and peace was first and foremost accepting it is what it is. So once you get that baseline identity, this is who you are, it is what it is. Now, from that, he says you harvest the good. So you look at like, what, what's good here? And then the third part of it, you forgive the rest. You let go. And so I have them kind of work through that process within themselves, and then they create this new identity, and they create an ideal day for themselves. And then I have them record it in their own voice. Mm-hmm. And Sherry, it's, it's profound, the experiences that people have when they're hearing their own voice. And I have them speak of it in the form of you, not I, because your I is determined by your you. Mm. And so I have them say, you are this, you are that. And, and they're hearing their own voice because we hear our voice every day every single moment of our lives within our heads. And there's a scripture that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. The word of God in your life is that voice you hear in your head every single moment, whether it's condemning you or praising you. And so when you begin to change the narration of that voice within your mind that you hear about you every day, it begins to make an extraordinary shift down to the subatomic level, if you will. And the physiology begins to change. The personality begins to change. And you have to keep repeating this over and over again, the same way you repeated experiences that infuse the programming of what you call your subconscious mind that is governing your your life experience. You can then imprint upon it a new identity, the one that you consciously shape through the use of this extraordinary imagination of yours. And then you begin to integrate it into self through repetition and through making small steps on a daily basis. And when you fall off the proverbial horse, if you will, it's not this condemnation and judgment and condemn, you know, and just beating yourself down, but you say, okay, you pick yourself back up again, accept it is what it is, harvest the good, forgive the rest, Mm -hmm. and you keep it going. And over time, you will be amazed. And it doesn't take a long time. You'll be amazed how quickly things begin to transform in your life. You begin to draw new experiences, new environments, new circumstances into your world because you truly become now uh, from what Wallace Waddles, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's an author. He wrote The Science of Getting Rich, The Science of Being Well, and The Science of Being Great. But he talked about this electrical mind and the magnetic mind. And when you're in this electrical mind, it's, it's, it's very stimulating but it's, it repels. Mm. And that's that really, I like to call that fight or flight, that sympathetic state. You're in a state of survival. And so when you're looking at the world through that lens, it has a lot of energy behind it, but it repels. And then you have that I am state where you become magnetic, that magnetic mind. And you begin to draw to you this extraordinary 
life and you're able to see opportunities that were sitting there the whole time that you couldn't recognize before because you're coming from this place of survival. So as you begin to shift this identity and begin to repeat it over and over to yourself until it's integrated into who you are at that subatomic level, every cell in your body is saying yes to this new self. That's how you change it. And it requires some work. It requires dedication because like I said, the programming that's there will bring all the evidence to bear witness against this new self. But it's the perfect analogy I could speak of is the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Yes. yes. I don't know if you're familiar with the process of what takes place when it enters into what is the cocoon or the chrysalis. Mm. It goes in, the caterpillar wraps itself in this cocoon or chrysalis, and there's a war taking place within. And it's very interesting because there's these things called imaginal cells or imaginal discs that starts showing up in the caterpillar's body. And at first, the immune system is wiping these new entities out. But they keep coming, they keep coming, they keep coming until they overwhelm the immune system and the caterpillar actually breaks down and dissolves into the essence goo. Right. It's no longer itself. It's lost its identity completely. It's liquid form now. And those imaginal cells keep proliferating and beginning to create a whole new structure. So beautiful. And then what you have as that butterfly breaks through that cocoon and emerges, you have a whole new being now that if it would have held to the identity and not allowed that inherent evolutionary process, the metamorphosis to take place within it, it would have stayed the caterpillar, but it was designed to become more. And as human beings, we are here to become more. And so... This is where we have to come from. And you creating that identity, you hit it so hard on the head, Jerry. The identity is key. The paradigm, the belief of who you are is at the foundation of what your life experience will always be. 100%. Yeah. And and I truly believe that you cannot transform to a new, you cannot transform your habits, your character, your lifestyle, your body if you don't have that new identity, if you're still supporting that old identity, no matter what your processes are, no matter how expensive your coach is, no matter how much you're investing in this transformation, if your mind is still stuck on, no, I can't, no, I won't, that never worked out before, I've tried that a hundred times, oh, I know that already, and you're still stuck in that space, you will always rebound right back. And I, I see this all the time, and that's where the, the work is, right? And it's that reminder that to me, it's like brushing my teeth every day. I still do this, Dr. Maddie. I've been, I've been doing this for, for many years, working on identity, I am statements, like really creating the vision and the future that, that I want to step into. But it's a process that I have to do every single day, just like yes. exercise, just like brushing your teeth. And at Absolutely. first, when you're in that place of transformation with your new I am statements or the, you know, the recorded voice and you speaking mm-hmm. to yourself in the you form, it's again, I have to do this daily. It's, it's, I can't brush my teeth once and then go see the, the dentist next year. No, it's, it's constant and it's a constant upkeep because it's the reminder that I've done the work and now today I might hear something that might support that old identity or I might have an experience that might bring me back to that old identity. So it's a constant upkeep and that constant upkeep becomes much easier when I'm surrounded in an environment, spending time with people who yes. have the same mindset. And now I watch things that, support that mindset. I, I listen to things that support that mindset. And I read books, like I'm constantly learning, engaging and growing towards that direction. And oftentimes it becomes challenging because you have to maybe release old relationships, you have to release old mm. patterns, but it's impossible to go forward 
using the past as your constant pivot point. You cannot bring the past into the future and expect to change. You really have to almost, I want to say, kill that old identity and create a brand new one and decide that you're going to work on it every single day. And it's, it's something that will take work. It's definitely effort. But once it becomes a part of our rituals, then it becomes a lot easier to put into the day. Like the yeah. morning meditation. It's something I have to do every morning, mm. no matter what. If I don't do it, I feel off. Yeah, spot on. And I love it. You, you use the word ritual. Mm. And in essence, you have to ritualize your life. Yes. And, and see each moment as ceremony, as ritual. Wow. And you begin to see the sacredness of it. Yes. And when, you're particip- when, we, when we consciously begin to participate in the sacred, it becomes much more meaningful for us. Mm. We take it a little more serious. We give it a little more empathy, mm. you know, of, to the experience because we have designated this as sacred. Mm. And so when you can begin to look at your life as sacred and see the extraordinary beauty of it, the rarity of it, and approach it that way, you would approach entering into this the holy sanctum of sanctums, if you will, and you begin to embrace your life that way, it will give you the fortitude to endure the conditioning that you're now overriding. And you just, each day, as you so eloquently said, you participate in this daily. And you every day you wake up, you wake up and you choose it over again. Yes. And it requires the exercise of will to become more. And what's very fascinating that I've always always really love about us as human beings is that we are designed, as I mentioned earlier, for growth. Yes. It's why we're here. And when we can truly operate from that place, yeah, life becomes this extraordinary adventure. Yes. Uh, because you're you're in this place of just profound self-discovery. You're like, wow, each day is unique and new. There is no day that is the same. And I can tell you that now, even though uh, you may experience and say, oh, it's, I'll talk to people sometimes. They're like, ah, oh, yeah, what are you up to? Oh, same old same. Right. It's not possible. That's not even possible. Right. But what is the same old same is the consciousness occupying the space. Mm-hmm. That's not changing. Right. But life by design can never be the same. And so when you are holding to a renewal of mind daily and choosing to embrace it that way and getting into this repetition that you spoke of earlier, this, yeah, life becomes this fascinating journey and experience full of rich opportunity. And it just just requires you to be very present and very diligent in your becoming. And so I always tell people you're you're perfect in your becoming, so there's no need for judgment. Because this moment you're in right now is a culmination of every life experience you've had that brought you to this time and space. And you can constantly choose from here to make it whatever else you want. So yeah, it's a really cool thing. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I just want to add to that um, just, just what you said about I choose this every day and I choose my growth and I choose me every day. And, mm-hmm. and just to add to that uh, space of fulfillment, why we're here, I do believe it's growth but I also believe it's contribution. And those are the two most fulfilling acts. If you're constantly focused on growth, improving yourself, bettering yourself to your highest potential, because we all can, and then focusing on contribution, how can I give back? And giving giving without expecting anything yeah. in return, that is true yeah. contribution. 
don't need to blast it on Facebook. I don't need to tell anybody. I just do it because I have to. I'm, I'm meant to. And I think that's really once we once we put those two together, we find joy and we stay in that in that state of joy. And so, Indeed. Dr. Maddie, I want to keep going. Um, we're <laughs> almost at, at the top of the hour. I don't believe yes, how fast yes, yes. it's gone by. So, you yeah, know, we're going to, wow. as soon as we stop this, we're going to schedule our next one together. Um, mm. But how do people find you? Where can people go to reach out yeah, to you? Yeah, so, so they can go to uh, my website is Dr. Madi, spelled M-A-H-D as in David, I, Brown, B-R-O-W-N.com. So that's you can find me there. Also, I have uh, a LinkedIn um, page as well, and it's LinkedIn Dr. Madi Brown, and then this Instagram is at Dr. Madi Brown. So those are the areas that you know people can uh, reach out to me and find me. Amazing! I love this conversation so much. I love your light. I just I I love speaking you. to you. Can't Likewise. wait to do it again. Thanks for listening, athletes. I hope you enjoyed that. Now I'm going to share with you five key takeaways from my conversation with Dr. Maddie. One, health is so much more than what we put in our bodies. Two, there are only three principles that govern the body, receiving, creating, and eliminating. And when they are imbalanced, you will experience dis-ease. Three, your I has been determined by your you, your identity, and how you see yourself. And I has been determined by what you've been told about you. Four, life is a fascinating journey of experiences full of rich opportunities, and it just requires you to be fully present and diligent in your becoming. Five, you are perfect in your becoming, so there is no need for self-judgment. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode, and remember, you are an inspiration. inspiration.